Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor J.P. Troyo here. So glad that you're joining us today on our podcast. You're about to hear a message today from our weekend encounter. Uh, I pray that this message uh, encourages you, inspires you, and pushes you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to stay on track with what's going on at the church, we'd love for you to download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, or visit us on our website, www.oasischurchchicago.com. I'm praying for you, we're believing for you, and we trust that God's gonna continue to do great things in your life. God bless you. Now here's the message today. Hey, thank you, creative team. I, I, I said this to our team earlier, but um, if you call this church home, we believe something here at this church that we as the church are called to lead the way in everything. That's a great place for those that believe that to say amen. Um, because we are following so many other things and so many other people and so many gurus of this and that. And, and the reality is, is that if we believe what I'm about to say, then we should be leading the way in every job, in every sphere, in every avenue, the church and the people within the church. Because we have the spirit of God inside of us. The same spirit that spoke everything into existence. He spoke you into existence. He formed us. He created us. That same God, his spirit, is in us. So if you need creativity, ask for it. If you need leading, ask for it. If you need direction, ask for it. We should be lead. I'm preaching this morning whether you believe this or not. I believe that we should be leading the way in everything. And so I'm just so stinking proud of our creative team. Setting the way making a way for us as we kick off this new series called A Move. A Move. I felt depressed in my heart. Um, this was actually a, a little while ago. Rachel and I were, were on a plane, and we got off the airplane, and we were walking. Uh, I, don't, I forget where we were, but we were walking, and my wife, every so often, she has one of these moves, <laughs> no pun intended, where she'll um, stop me and, and grab my hand. And when I know she's grabbed my hand, it's not for, like, affection. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> so she stopped my hand. She grabbed my hand, and... I was like, yeah, what's up? Do you want to hold my hand? She's like, no, I got to tell you something. And I was like, I should have known. She said, I know you've been studying, you studied the book of Acts um, last summer. She's like, our church needs it. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I was actually feeling prompted and and sensing that that's what we need to do. So this whole summer, if you're going to keep coming with us, and I hope you do, we're going to go through the book of Acts. It is a powerful book in the Bible. And I want to challenge you at the forefront of this. As we go through this book, go home and read the word for yourself. We got too many just Sunday spoon-fed Christians. We need some Monday through Saturday meat eaters. Hello? That will go home and open this book up, whether you know it all, whether you know what's happening, whether you have the whole context, whether you just get it in your spirit, and it will start to come alive to you in greater ways. So just go home and read the book of Acts. Start at Acts 1. Right? Don't go to like Acts 17. Start at the beginning. It's a powerful story. In this book that we're going to go through over these next couple of weeks, I should say months, uh, the first seven chapters are, are just the, the showing of the growth and testing of the church. This shows us how the church was launched out, how, how it had to be stretched and how it had to grow and how it continued to move. And then in chapters 8 through 12, it, re- it reveals to us how the Spirit broke down barriers for the gospel to go. Right? For the gospel to go in Judea and Samaria. And then chapters 13 through 28 show then how the, the, the whole... Word of God, how we are affected by the Word of God, how the gospel of Jesus Christ traveled across the globe. This is a powerful book, and there is a lot of stuff in this book. And to be honest, this is one of my, if not my favorite books of the Bible, because you can read this thing every day and get something out of it. And so today, as we kicked off a move, I, I entitled this little subtitle, Called Up. 
called up because before we can see God move, I think we need to catch what happened. So right before the scripture verse I'm about to read, Jesus told his disciples to go and wait. Go and wait for my spirit to come. I'm leaving, so go wait for my spirit to come to you. And so we catch that right there in the beginning of chapter 1 where Jesus then says this and goes back up to heaven. Anyone thankful that Jesus is on his throne today? That is a mighty place. Come on, are you awake this morning to the 1030 turn up crew in this place? So he's on his throne, and so there's, a, there's now a moment that happens right after this that I think is so profoundly impactful, and sometimes I think looked past. But this scripture I'm about to read, it's found in Acts 1, 12 through 26. We're going to read some Bible in this place. You got your Bibles? You got your Bibles? Get your Bibles out. Come on, 12 through 26. For all of you that are not as spiritual, we have a big Bible. I'm kidding. That's a bad joke. Hey, let me say this. If you need a Bible, we got free ones out there. On that, on that, yeah, no, seriously. Like, if you feel more comfortable putting it, like, underneath your shirt so you feel like, anyways, just grab it, take it, read it. Amen? Okay, here we go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters... The scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, those who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our numbered and shared in our ministry. With the payment, then it's talking, they go into explaining Judas, the same guy that betrayed Jesus, what he did. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There, this is, this is insane. The Bible's crazy. Anybody, this is this is detailed. Judas bought a field where he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled off. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Let me just say this real quick, because this is, what you do with your money and where you invest it matters. Okay. Everyone in Jerusalem, some people are like, what? Go home and read it. I pray revelation comes to you. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Alcadema, That is field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may this place, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time. Everyone say the whole time. I'm reading a lot of scripture. This is good. The Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men. Joseph, Joseph called Bersabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. All week long I said I was going to say Matthias. We have a Matthias in the house. He's here, Brazil, and uh, Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. 
Heavenly Father, this is your word. We thank you that you're building and equipping your church even today. That you're on the move here in this city and among our people and across churches in this city. So we pray for a deeper measure of your love and your grace. Help me to speak the way you've put this in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everybody says amen. A move of God called up. You know, me as a sports guy, I had a lot of teammates and a lot of people. And actually, when I went to my, in the second year of my uh, time at the University of playing soccer, we created a JV team. And not to downplay that, there was a great place for people to come in and train and develop and grow. And then sometimes it was so often, not so often, but sometimes those people would come in and, and they would be called up. And I remember one kid in particular that came in my sophomore year, his freshman year, he was a JV player. And um, you just, you know, it's, don't hear me wrong. It's just the skill level was a little, he was just a little bit behind the rest of us. And um, what I appreciated though about that, it's not to downplay if he was here, I'd say this to him and he would shake his head in agreement. What I appreciated about this guy, though, was that he knew that his level wasn't where he needed to be. But he was willing to keep showing up. And he was willing to keep putting the extra work in. He was the guy that, you know, you hear the stories about the guy that would always show up to the locker room first. Like it was like a competition among us. Who would get to the locker room first? Who would have their stuff on? Who would be ready to go? It was this kid. And some people just brushed him off like, man, he's just trying to make the coaches like him. He's just trying to do this. But he showed up faithfully. And he worked his tail off. Like every practice, he was going 110 miles an hour, where some of us were there just kind of like, we're here to get this in, we got to get out of here, we got something else to do better. He just worked. And then he would stay late. He would always be the guy that would be on the field saying, hey, can I, can I keep a few extra balls? Can I keep a couple cones? Can I work a little bit more? And I, and I watched this kid, and I felt this burden to like go and say, hey, can I train with you? Can I work with you? I wasn't great by any means. But I was motivated. Hello? I was spurred on by this kid. This kid was like, yo, I got a reason. I got a purpose. I know that my time is going to come. So in the meantime, when it hasn't been called yet, I'm going to work. And he worked. And would you know that not his freshman year, not his sophomore year, not even his junior year. Come on. That's a lot of work to do to not see zero playing time. Especially when you do it all day long in college. But his senior year, his senior year, third game in, I remember my coach bringing me in. I was a captain. He said, hey, hey, you know that guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm calling him up. And I was like, yes. And that kid got the call. I remember my, call, my coach called him. He said, you, yo, you're, you're dressing today. You're dressing. And that kid, man, what a joy. What a joy to see all this time and this effort and this training and this equipping, knowing that one day he was going to get that call. And he should be ready for when he got that call. He was called up. It was a powerful moment for me to witness this, to watch this. And I read this story in Scripture, and I see these men of God and these women of God that were with Jesus all the time. They were with him from the beginning of his ministry, somewhere his family. So they were with him the whole time of his life. But these men in particular, when this moment happened and Jesus said, hey, go wait. Go wait for my spirit to come. They all went together, and it was time to say, hey, not only are we going to call one up to be part of the 12, but we're going to call all of us up. It is time for us to now do what Jesus commissioned us to do. He's not here anymore, but he's instructed us. And so our time is now. How many of you believe this for the church? Especially, I'm just talking to this church today, that our time is now. I really feel in my spirit, I don't, I don't mean to be weird and be like, 
the Lord told me in my prayer closet yesterday at 12. No, like I just sense that he's really up to something. And we're on the brink of just a wall being hit down. And we're going to see a move of God like we've never seen before in the city of Chicago. We're going to see lives transformed. We're going to see 50 people get baptized. We're going to see children grow up to be mighty men and women of God. We're going to see marriages restored. Guys, this is the Jesus we read about in this scripture that he's a miracle maker. He's a way maker. He's mighty. He's powerful. Powerful. He is God on the move. And he's calling us up today. He's calling us up today. He's saying, I got to get some people. I got to get some people called up because when God begins to move, woo, he moves through people. Anybody, I love that about God. He uses messed up people to expand his kingdom. <laughs> he uses a guy like me jacked up, messed up, missing the mark all the time. He uses us. If you think he can't use you, go talk to him. Because he's going to tell you, I'm going to use you. And I'm going to use you in a mighty way. You think you've done too many mistakes, too many failures. Guess what? There's no stage. I love this. They're like, yo, dude, spitting zone. You have not done too much for the hand of God to not be on your life. He needs people today to be called up, to answer the call, and to go and change this city in Jesus' name. Because the reality is, when God begins to move, he is looking to raise up men and women who are filled with his spirit, who follow in obedience, who are unified, live by the word of God, who lead like Jesus, who are committed all the way, and who are not concerned about the position, but the mission. All right, so I'm going to teach here. I got six points. <laughs> Some of you that call Oasis home, you're like, yo, you barely get through three. But in order for us to see the move of God continue in this city, we need to see six keys to the kingdom of God. These are six keys for every single one of us, not just for the pastor, not just for Brennan, for all of us, for all of us to move and to see God move in this city. All right, so the first thing that I see in this passage of Scripture, the very first thing I see is this. Obedience brings you into the move of God, okay? So it doesn't say obedience starts a move of God. Obedience brings you into the move of God. Verse 12 and 13 says this. When the apostles returned to Jerusalem from a hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room they were staying. Obedience to Jesus is all he wants. That's all Jesus wants from us. It's just obedience. All the dads in the room, you want your kids to listen to us. right? You want your kids to be obedient. That's all you want. That's all Jesus is asking for. He's like, yo, I just want you to know my heart. And the best thing about it is, what, let me say it this way. He invites you into his love. And when you know how much Jesus loves you, it's a lot easier to follow him. Some of you are missing the mark because you haven't had that deep revelation. You haven't really surrendered to him and said, hey, take everything, not just a piece of me on the Sundays, but take everything from me so that when you actually surrender everything, I'm preaching this morning, when you surrender everything, you understand his love that he has for you, that washes over you, that cleanses you, that purifies you, that makes you brand new. You understand that love, and guess what? You want to follow him. You want to follow him because he's doing so much great and beautiful things in your life. But these guys... These 12, and I should say all 120, but these 12 specifically, the men of God, the, the apostles, they had a choice. Jesus said, go and wait. And they had to choose to go and what? Wait. Like the reality of it was that God's spirit was going to come either way. 
It wasn't dictating on these men showing up to that room. I believe that. Like, the promises of the Spirit of God were all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout Scripture. So it wasn't like these men dictated if God was going. No. God was going to move, but they had a choice to make. Were they going to be obedient? Oh, this is so good. Were they going to be obedient to follow and be a part of the move of God that was about to happen? Obedience is an opportunity to be open for the outpouring. Come on. Some of you are singing chances song like, just bring the blessings down. Oh, I hear all, I just want the blessings of God. Why don't you start with obedience? Why don't we just be people that obey his word to the best of our abilities and by his spirit's strength? Not perfection, not hitting the mark every time. Don't hear me, but just saying, you know what? I want to live a life of obedience. I want to step in tune with what he has for me. I want to get people around me that are going to guide me, lead me, direct me in the obedience that God would have for my life so that I could see a move of God in my life, so I could see a move of God in my family, so I can see a move of God in my city like I've never seen before. Obedience brings us into the move of God. They had a chance to show up or to stay, staring in the clouds when Jesus went up, like, where's he at? Hey, you hungry? Want to go get some fish, chips? Like, no, they said, oh, snap. Jesus has promised us something. We got to go where he told us to go. And we got to do what he's telling us to do. And obedience, guys, is an opportunity for the storehouses, for the abundance, for the blessing, for the outpouring to flow through your life. Anybody believe this this morning? If you need help with obedience, ask. He's so good. You know, I haven't had to discipline Titus. Well, maybe I have. I've talked. I've had some stern conversation. I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, he's three months old. That's not right. But as a little child, you know, we, we just... We, we go to our, our dad comes to us, our mom comes to us, and they instruct us, they lead us, they guide us, they show us how to obey. He wants to do the same for you. You're a new believer? Hey, heck, you're five years into this? You're 10? He wants to instruct you with kindness and guide you and lead you into obedience. It's who, is, it's who he is. Anybody, anybody thankful for this this morning? Woo! Okay, so obedience is an opportunity, right? But here's the, here's the other thing. They had a choice to make. They made the right choice, praise God. But they were walking back into enemy territory. So obedience to God, it opens up the move of God, but that doesn't mean rainbows and butterflies. That doesn't mean life's going to be great. Oh, my goodness, let's go back to the upper room. Let's stand there and just praise God because it's going to be super safe. And we're going to have the best time. What they were doing, they were literally walking back to where the enemy, the same people that just crucified their Jesus. They're going right back because obedience is not only an opportunity for a move of God. It's an opportunity for you to step in some risky business. <laughs> Welcome to church this morning. I love that about God. He doesn't call us to a safe life. He calls us to a grace-filled life, though. Come on, the grace of God will never call you where it doesn't cover you. Woo! Some of you are like, oh, like, I don't believe that. No, I'm safe in my house. My house is great. No, the life of a believer was never called to be safe. It was called to be amazing. And you can't be amazing if you're playing it safe. Another sermon, another time. Mark that down. I need that. So the first thing was, obedience moves us into the move of God. Second, oh, I'm going to get through all six. Praise the Lord. Second thing that I see here that is a key for us to know that the move of God's going to happen is this. Unity is vital. Unity is vital. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those presents were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer. 
They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary of the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. What I get here, they were all together in one spirit and of one mind and of unity. I don't get that they were sitting there bickering about who's going to pray first. I don't get that they were bickering who's going to get up and speak among them. I get that they were of one spirit, of one mind, of one accord saying, we got to be together in this because Jesus has called all of us to this. If we want to see a move of God, if we want to see God pour out his spirit, we want to walk in obedience, we need to be a unified church. We need to lift each other up. We need to believe the best for each other. We need to pray together. Prayer night, Wednesday nights. Why do we do it? It's biblical. This place will be called a house of prayer, not a cool creative house, a house of prayer. And when we pray and we get unified with one spirit and one accord and one mind, we're going to see some amazing, fruitful things happening. The reason why some of you are still sitting in the back because you don't walk in here with an expectation that this is my brother, this is my sister, I am going to be unified with them, I'm going to sit with them, I'm going to encourage them, I'm going to be with them. We're going to believe God to move in this place. Let me say it this way, okay? Right before this, not a few days before this, Jesus was with them in the garden. And he said, yo, pray with me. And what'd they do? Fell asleep. But now, there's a revelation. We got to do this. We're going to do this together. We're going to pray. We're going to storm heaven. We're going to put our arms around each other. We're going to be unified. There isn't a single one of them missing. Show up to church. <laughs> it's not a shameless plug. It's just a reality. You can't do this life by yourself. Some of you are trying way too hard. Get to the house. Get built up. Get equipped. Be unified together in Jesus' name. Unity is vital for us to see a move of God happen. I want God to move in this church. I want God to move in your lives, in your families, and in your situations. But when that happens, we don't got time to fight. We don't got time to quarrel. I will say this. We live off of this. So, so if you have an issue with that, like, come talk. We love you. But we don't have time to, to do this because there's people literally losing their lives every single moment in the city. You think you got time to fight with one another when people are dying? Just have that revelation. You don't have time to fight with people. And guess what? Offense, I said it last week or maybe I said it Wednesday, is a choice. And it has no place in the life of a believer. Zero. You're offended by somebody that something happened to you a long time ago? Forgive them. Hello? That's, that's a good word. Good word, preacher. Thank you. You with me this morning? He's calling us up. We need to be unified. We need to encourage one another. The third thing is this. Go ahead, Dylan. God cannot go against his word. Oh, that is the best news. That God cannot go against his word. In verse 15 through 17, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David. The scripture had to be fulfilled. When God moves, when his people are doing their best to walk in obedience by his spirit's power, when they are unified, God will move the way that his scripture calls us to move. He will not go against this thing. I have never seen a move of God last that goes against this. Come on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that right now again. I have never seen God move that goes against this. Like that, if, if he's doing it and it's not lining up with this, I don't want anything. Woo! Like stiff arm Heisman, get away from me. Because God cannot 
go against his word. Some of you are fighting God on his word. You're like, his promises are not yes and amen. His promises are not for me. He's made me the tail and not the head. He's not really doing a good work in me. I don't feel a good work in me. The reality is, is God's not going to go against his word. He is doing a good work in you. You are the head and not the tail. He is sanctifying you. He is purifying you. He is making you stronger. Grace to grace, glory to glory. Every single day, his word remains true. God cannot lie, church. God cannot lie. His word has remained. His word is faithful. His word is true. And it's not going to start failing us today. So when we see a move of God happen, we got to go and say, God, what is your word up to? They saw it and they said, this is what the word of God said was going to happen. It's happening. Woo! You with me this morning? Hebrews 6.18, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Guys, when we start moving as a church in a bigger way, we're going to have to hold on to his word. I'm just going to be honest. There's going to be attacks. Just being real. I'm talking to Oasis people. There will be things that will come against our church. Let me say this. There has already been things that have tried to come against our church. And you know what I do? I gather all the pastors in the room. I gather our team leads in the room. And I say, what does God's word say about this thing? Because whatever God's word says about this thing, no man can touch us. Because he cannot lie. Okay? We with me? Fourth thing. Is this encouraging you this morning? The fourth thing is this, the fourth key. Leading like Jesus looks different, though. See, they go through this whole story of Judas, right? They share how he, he bought the field with the money that he gained for betraying Jesus. And then he, 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 you know, he passed away and it was terrible. It's like a crazy point of scripture. I'm like, why would you put that in this story? Like, why do you show that? And I was talking to a, an older, wiser guy and we were talking about it. And I was like, man, that's just like so graphic and detailed. Like, that's a little bit much. Like, right? Anybody? Oh, no? Just your pastor. Praise the Lord. But he showed us in that, that, hey, this guy wasn't leading the way that Jesus called them to lead. And when I start moving, I need people to lead the way that Jesus leads. See, Judas was with him the whole time. See, the reality is, is you can be in church all day long, and you can still miss the heart of the Father. Oh, yeah, you can have all the scriptures known. You can recite them off better than I will ever be able to, but you don't have the Father's heart. Judas, around him the whole time. Judas, though, from the very beginning, had greed, selfish ambition. Hello? You with me? Like, Judas was a man that his heart was hard. His heart was towards himself. His, he was in the ministry. He was a part of the thing. He wanted to be around the move. He wanted to see it happen. It doesn't say that Judas was off in the middle of nowhere while all the miracles were happening. He was with them. And he missed it. He missed it. Because he wanted to lead the way that Judas wanted to lead. Hey, don't waste that perfume on Jesus' feet. What are you doing? Judas, quote. That's who he was. And he missed the heart of God. But these 12, or these 11 now, are there going, we got to lead like Jesus if we're going to see this move happen. We got to lead with the Father's heart. We got to lead deeply. We can't lead like a thief. We can't lead with selfish ambition. We can't lead with greed. If you are trying to lead people to Jesus and you have a motive, other than seeing their hearts 
Turn to Jesus. Check it. Check it. You with me? Just making sense this morning. If we're going to see a move of God happen, we got to lead like Jesus. When the whole world is leading however they feel, all the feels, whatever feels good, do it. Whatever you feel like doing, do it. No, we don't live that way. We lead like Jesus lives. You with me? So God is always looking for people to use. God is always going to move through people. But he's looking for people that are going to say, hey, I want to lead my life to the best of the ability and those around me the way that Jesus would call me to lead. Amen? Fifth thing, we're flying. Here we go. Band, come on up. The fifth key that I see here in this passage of Scripture, before the Spirit of God is poured out on them, this is the fifth thing, they were committed all the way. They were committed all the way. Catch this. It's so po- this is so powerful, this story. He says this, therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time. The whole time? You mean like, like, like they didn't miss it? No, the whole time. From the point of Jesus being baptized in John's baptism till Jesus took, was taken up. These people were with Jesus the whole time. Did they fail? Oh, yeah. Did Peter deny him? Oh, yeah. Did they fall asleep in the garden? Yeah. Did they have many blunders? Yeah. Like, Jesus, how are you going to do this? Well, I'm going to do it this way. Jesus, can you, hey, hey, keep back. You can't touch it. Come on. Like, they failed many times, but the reality was is they kept showing up. Oh, I'm going to preach for a moment. I have been, but I'm going to preach a little bit more. How do I say this? We got a lot of people that want to see a lot of things happen in this church, but are giving minimum sacrifice. I love you. Let me say it with a smile. I love you all. I can't tell you how many times, though, people have walked to me and said, you need to do this in your church. And I'm like, I don't know who you are, first off. Second of all, not like love, like I've never seen you. But second of all, like, why don't you start just coming and stacking some chairs? Why don't you come setting up some chairs? See, people are like, oh, you need to do this, 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 and this. And I'm like, yo, what? Like, I want people, and I believe God wants people. It's not for me just to build a bigger church. I could care less. You guys know me. I could. I want to see your lives blessed and anointed and filled with passion and desires. But we need people in this city, in this city I'm talking to, that are going to be committed to Jesus all the way, even if it calls us to death. Even if it calls it to say, people may not like you. Welcome to the party. It's a good one. I love it. I love when people ask me, what do you do? And I'm like, no, you don't want to ask me that. I'm like, no, especially after the conversation we were just having. They're like, so, so what do you do? And I'm like, no, don't, don't, no. I'm a builder. They're like, really, what do you build? And I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm like, I'm a, uh, um, um, yeah, I'm a, um, um, here it comes. You ready? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, I'm a pastor. They're like, thank you. <laughs> or they start confessing all their sins to me, and I'm like, ah, you don't need to. Just... I don't know where I was going with that. People may not like you, but if they see your commitment to the work of God, to the move of God, they're going to be inspired, and they're going to be convicted by it. And how good is it when people's lives get convicted by the Holy Spirit? (laughs) A lot better than a word, a lot better than an encounter, just the Holy Spirit convicting their lives. It's a good time. I love when the Holy Spirit convicts me. But imagine if people in this room were committed all the way. 
all the way. I'm not, I'm not saying like you got to, well, yeah, I am saying this. If you call this place home, make it home. Don't keep moving in and out of the house. My wife's not here today, and I want to look at her, and she'd be like. It's the truth, though. You want your lives to be blessed, but you just want to keep uprooting. You're dead. You want to be committed to something great? You want to be part of something bigger than yourself, just like these crazy little young men in the Bible? Be committed all the way. And if you're falling behind, we're going to come and grab you. Yo, some of you I text. And I say, you're falling behind where you're at. And I know, I see the bubbles, they disappear, they come back, they disappear, and then I don't hear back. And I'm like, yo, it's because you're falling behind, but we're calling each other to be committed to this thing all the way. I'm not trying to build a five-year church. I'm trying to build a legacy of a church. Me and Rachel will be dead and gone one day, and I pray that this church makes deep impacts for the name of Jesus Christ, that we're not just here for a moment, but we're here for a monumental moment. This is what I see here. You with me today? Okay, the last thing is this. This is so good. It's not about the position. It's about the mission. See, two men were chosen out of the the men that were with them the whole time. And they casted lots. Let me just say that that was what they did before the Spirit of God fell on them. We don't see that again in Scripture. But it says something that they prayed. They prayed. They said, God, you know everyone's heart. Can you help us here in this moment? Big moments, pray. Little moments, pray. They pray. And what I love is that we don't hear that the guy that didn't get picked, he was like, peace, guys. I didn't make the team. Because that's what happens in church. Well, I didn't get put on the worship team. They, didn't, they don't know my talent. No, we do. I do. And I love you for it. But why don't we go mop the, anyways. No, it's the truth. We don't talk about this enough. We, we have this persona that the church and the people on the platform, that's why we got rid of the stage. Yes, I have a calling to lead and to guide and direct and foster this church, but you have the same calling to be a believer of Jesus Christ. And it's not about gaining position. It's not about gaining status. It's about the mission of Jesus Christ going forth into people's lives. The good news of the good news. How, when did we stop calling it good news? When did Jesus and saving our lives all of a sudden become a weird thing to tell people about? It is what? Good. Wake up, church. Like, wake up. This is the best news of all time. We have good news to preach. We have great news to preach, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not about who's saying it. It's not about who's winning. It's not about any of that. It's about the mission. I believe that man that didn't get picked was like, cool. I'm going to be right behind you. I'm going to be right next to you. We're going to do this together. Hey, it doesn't matter. Just get in the game. Just get in the game. We want to see, we want to see giants be slain. We need you. Want to see mountains move? We need you. We need obedient followers. We need unity. We need to see say people people say, hey, it's not about me getting notarized. It's not uh, notarized. It's not about me getting being famous, and it's not about any of that. It's about me seeing Jesus' kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And if I never get credit for it, so be it. So be it. But if I see my neighbors come to know Jesus, if I see my city transformed. If I see the violence in this place stop, 
If I see marriages restored, it's a win. It doesn't matter if I get the credit for it. I don't care. And these men didn't either. They said, oh, man, he's called us to something bigger than ourselves. And it is for us to go and carry out this mission. Anybody want to see a move of God? Come on, anybody want to see God's spirit poured out on our church, poured out on our city, move in a powerful way that we've never seen before? We need a little bit of faith to rise up in this church. We need a moment just to praise him and to worship him. Come on, can we sing? Bodies are still being raised. Giants are still being slain. Come on, let's just sing it out with faith in this place. This morning, it's all about Jesus. Come on. Come on.